This is the third talk in our series for Advent this year, and I'd like today to have a look at Joseph. And I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1, and two verses to begin with, in the early stages of Joseph's introduction to us. It says this, Matthew 1, 18 and 19. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. Now, it's interesting. Here it says, Joseph, because he was a, her husband Joseph was a righteous man, a just man. So we've got to ask ourselves, what does it mean that Joseph is called just? He's a just man, a righteous man. When we use a phrase like that, it generally means that um, the person who obeys the law and applies the law fairly to everybody, there's a sense of rightness or justice in terms of the application of the law. For example, if a headmaster um, that doesn't bend the rules for um, students that he favors, it's applied fairly across the board. Deuteronomy 22 states that if there is a betrothed virgin and she meets a man in the city and lies with him, both of them are to be stoned. But it's interesting that here in the beginning of Matthew, again, and I reiterate what I said last week about Matthew being the most Jewish of all Gospels, Matthew affirms that Joseph was just but Joseph then decides to, in a sense, break the law of Moses and divorce Mary quietly rather than publicly exposing her. And that's quite bold. That's a really, that's a really uh, strong move to divorce her so that, uh, quietly so that she's not exposed to public disgrace. Clearly, Joseph has a, 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 a view of justice and of righteousness that we need to have a look at, because it's more than just the equal application of the law. So how did he come to have this understanding? Well, going back to Abraham, um, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac in Genesis 22 in order to obey God, even though that was wrong and it was known to be wrong. And when we come to Isaiah, and this is possibly where Joseph gets his understanding of justice, because we have in Isaiah four songs, they known as the songs of the servant or the suffering servant. It's uh, four passages, Isaiah 42, 49, 50, and 52. And it celebrates, these passages celebrate the sacrificial life of a righteous servant of God who brings about the redemption for others. Let me say that again. These songs celebrate the sacrificial life of a righteous or a just servant of God who brings about redemption for others. And there's clearly a sense, and when you look at what Joseph is doing, that there is a, um, a part of what he's doing that is, is, is informed by this Isaiah um, redemptive suffering of the servant kind of thing. Uh, chapter 42, Isaiah says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one whom I delight. 
I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter, and so it goes on into the next verses. But it's it's not in Isaiah seen as um, retributive justice, where uh, the servant says, well, if you harm me, I will harm you, the eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth kind of justice. Not that. Neither is it the equal application of the law, where it's like, well, because you pay, ta- I pay taxes, you must pay taxes kind of thing. Here, justice has a prophetic and a new impetus. And, and obviously, we've read these, and it's clearly refer- referring forward to the Messiah for us, but the sacrificial servant. But the understanding that Joseph has of justice is informed by this, where it means a compassion for the weak and the exhausted. Because in verse 3 here, it brings out two um, metaphors, in a sense. Uh, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. The justice that he's talking about here, the bruised reed, in the ancient world, uh, reeds were used for pens, as pens, I should say, and sometimes they were used in the making of houses and boats. But if a reed was damaged, what can you do with a crushed reed, one that is broken and all limp? There's nothing much that you can do about it. And the only option then is to use it to cook or to heat with. The other image about the smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Each home in the ancient world had a a small lamp, clay lamp, that was fueled with olive oil and had a wick which hung out the side of the spout. I've got actually one of, I've got a, a one that was dug up in Israel many, many years ago. As the oil ran out of these um, uh, clay lamps, there was always the danger that the, the wick would sever and burning and the f- flame would fall onto the ground and out of the spout and, and, and cause a fire. Often there was a bowl of water placed underneath the lamp in case this happened to prevent such an accident. What what Isaiah is talking about here is that um, neither will there be a breaking of the reed, nor will there be a quenching. There's a faithfulness about bringing justice. So what he's saying is that those who are actually crushed those who are exhausted, those who are actually at the end of themselves, who are basically going to get thrown out. Um, Those are the ones that the suffering servant will come to bring justice for. And there's no doubt that Mary is in a situation where she is bruised or exhausted, like the reed or the lamp that's easily going to get snuffed out because of the way in which the community would view her as a unmarried pregnant woman. And this is then the definition that uh, Joseph seems to apply in this situation, a compassionate concern for the weak, the downtrodden, the outcast, those who are in need. 
And I think it's important that we understand that in um, the equal application of the law, Mary would have been taken out and stoned. It seems that it's very unlikely that they would have taken her um, um, word for the fact that, oh, she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So it's a bold decision on Joseph's part. And he actually, I think, in these moments, saves <clears throat> Mary's and Jesus' life um, at, this, at this particular point. And it's not without some kind of... Um, deep struggle for him either because it says in verse 20 which we didn't read in the beginning but it says here but after he had considered this an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream and said joseph son of david do not be afraid to take mary home as your wife because she what she has conceived in what she what is conceived in her is from the holy spirit and then he continues with that you see we sometimes think of Joseph as this passive bystander, but as I've explained now, I think his sense of justice, his sense of right, what is right, informs him in such a way that he's willing to be compassionate in a situation where he is also clearly going to be exposed. When we get to verse 20 and it says, but after he had considered this, it's the it's an interesting word in the Greek because not only does the passage in verse 18 and 19 tell us what Joseph does in that he will uh, divorce her quietly, but this verse 20 begins to tell us what is happening internally for him. It describes what's going on for him, how he's grappling with the situation that he finds himself, that he's presented with, that he didn't actually ask for that his fiancée is pregnant, and that the community knows about this. And don't forget that at this point, he hasn't had the vision of the angel that came to him in a dream. So what is interesting is that the Greek word here for what we have in our English text as after he had considered this, and I'm not going to try and say the Greek word because it's meaningless for you, but it has two meanings. It, it, to be certain, it is the meaning of, of um, considering or pondering or turning this over inside you. But the second meaning is about um, being really angry. Uh, the, the Latin translation of this word is fumus, fuming. Wrath is another way that this word is translated in other places in the New Testament. And I think, number one, we must understand that Joseph is really upset, and understandably so, and this emotion will be something that he's felt. But secondly, we have almost a sanitized understanding of how this must have happened for Joseph and, you know, how it, it looked. But he's naturally deeply disappointed and possi possibly really angry. Um but his his understanding of justice leads him, in a sense, to do the right thing and tr treat Mary humanely. But it doesn't prevent him from feeling what he feels, because the re the root word uh, in the Greek here is is wrath or anger, and it occurs only once in the Gospels. Um, 
where it talks about uh, the congregation in the synagogue in, in Luke 4 verse 28, where the congregation in anger wants to rise up and stone Jesus for what he said about using the passage and saying this is now applied to himself. It's used in different tenses and in different ways, but um, it's talk, it talks about when Herod is in a rage that the, uh, as we read um, two weeks ago, when the wise men uh, trick him and don't go back the same way to tell him where Jesus is and where the child is, that he goes into a rage. It's the same word, thymos. Um, so variations of this word, and I'm not going to go through all of them in the New Testament, but, but variations of this word that is applied here with, with uh, Joseph is this deep and profound sense of anger or wrath. And I think that um, this internal thing, this, these feelings that are churning around in, in Joseph as he's processing this news that he has that Mary is pregnant, is quite interesting because in this moment, before the angel comes to him, he is processing, he's, he's already decided ahead of this that he's not going to have her stoned She's going to put her away quietly um, and not expose her to public disgrace. And that's quite remarkable. I think it's quite substantial to, to take the stand that is going to go against probably what the entire community is going to expect. It's bold, it's daring, it's courageous. And I think it shows a strength of character to stand up and to take Mary and to... to, to um, move forward with her as his wife. So in spite of the forces that would have wanted her to be stoned, he, he, he sticks with his understanding of what, it, what is just. And in short, and this is where I'm coming to now and uh, closing off, is that in terms of what must have been an incredibly turbulent moment, Joseph's informed understanding of what is right and what is just, what is holy and what is required, allows him to reprocess his anger into grace and to provide a place where Mary can um, live and where Jesus can be born. Jesus himself uses um, this uh, word and, and, and shows how this anger is processed. And we're not going to go into that in detail now, but if you want to go and look at it, it's in Luke 14, the, um, the, the parable where um, the anger is extended in grace to those who are unworthy outside of the community. And then in, in, in Mark 12, where it talks about the farmer who builds and rents vineyard to tenants. Uh, but we're not going to go into that now. Joseph is not just a passive bystander in the whole process. And the reason for looking at him today is this. It takes courage to stand up against what people are expecting to happen. And without him having done so and have behaved in this way, there probably would have been, or possibly would have been no Christmas story to tell. No, we, we, we can't second guess that. But the point is this, 
he had a strong and informed understanding of what was right, what God required, informed by the scriptures, and was willing to stand for that in spite of what there was. And so the question for me is, how do we understand what is right? What informs for us what we think is just and true? And how do we apply that in situations where it's difficult, where it's going to be costly, where it's going to fly in the face of what people may expect even from us? Because Joseph had the courage to withstand the culture of his day as he lived out the light of what he had. He then still also had to, once he had this dream and the angel had come to him in a dream, he still had to to decide to obey that and to respond to that uh, word that he'd had from God and to reprocess everything that was going on, that the anger moves to grace and provides, as I said earlier on, which the suffering servant does, that um, it celebrates the songs of the servant from Isaiah, celebrates the sacrificial life of a righteous servant or a just servant of God who brings about redemption for, the, for those around him, which is what, G, what, jo, what Joseph does. Reflect on that and just wonder, I wonder how we are so often shaped by what is going on around us rather than shaping the events and the people around us by our understanding of justice and what is right. God bless. I'll see you on Sunday.